Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the new and improved Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer, Dustin Woods Football, 96.9, The Legend. We are a daily show here now, going Monday through Friday, every day, 20 to 30 minutes, getting you caught up on all the sports you enjoy in the Wiregrass. And on today's show, we will be looking back at week four in high school football. Go over all the games, what some of them mean, and we'll also go into some college football. We will recap Alabama, Auburn, Troy, Florida State, all their games from this weekend, and we'll look around the SEC as well. Look at the AP Top 25 also. So if you were used to the Wiregrass High School Football Report, you're going to get that at the beginning of the show, what you would normally be accustomed to doing. But also we're adding in the element the college football stuff that we do on Wednesdays. But, hey, we're doing this every single day, and there's going to be guests. Every Monday, it will usually just be me going over what happened on the weekend. But the rest of the week, I will be joined by guests throughout. So hope you enjoy this show. Uh, you can find it on all your favorite podcast platforms. It's on wiregrassnailynews.com. If you go to Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. If you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the show. And as I always say, if you just leave four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can follow me on social media at PJordanSEC, and uh, you can always email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. So let's kick things off with something you're familiar with with me here in this space. Uh, let's go around to Wiregrass. Let's do today's Wiregrass High School Football Report. All right, let's kick things off by jumping into 7A Region 2. The Dothan Wolves defeated Smith Station 66-0. This is a game you would have heard on 96.9 The Legend on Friday night. The Dothan Wolves improved to 4-1, 3-1 in region play. Smith Station drops to 0-5, 0-4 in region play. And a little nugget for you. Some of you may know this. Some of you may not know this. But Smith Station's current coach is last year's Slocum head coach, Bryant Garrison. He spent one there one year there with the Red Tops, but he is now the head coach rebuilding the program there at Smith Station. Uh, Dothan came out. They played a great game on Friday night. They scored on every possession. They were up 45-0 to zero at halftime. They went with a running clock there in the second half, and Dothan played on the second string and even third stringers, and they were scoring points to get to 66 points, which is the most ever by the Dothan Wolves in their short history and also the biggest margin of victory. That was also a record. For the Dothan Wolves, they had 481 yards on the ground with eight rushing touchdowns. Marion Peterson led the way with 112 yards and three touchdowns, and A.J. Alexander had 103 yards and one touchdown. Now, Enterprise was in non-region play on Friday night. They played Rehoboth, who's in 5A. Uh, they beat them 52-6 to to go to 4-1. Rehoboth drops to 1-3. Enterprise scored on all six first-half possessions in that one. Uh, jumping into 5A Region 2. Now, these are not region games. 5A Region 2 went non-region this week. And I kind of explained this on the school board show on Friday night during the broadcast. But, yeah, look, 5A Region 2 is six teams. 
So they're going to have a, a few more or an extra non-region game to some of the other teams do. Uh, so they only have the five region games. So there's, like I said, a bunch of non-region games. Uh, Ufala was defeated by Pike Road 48-30 to to fall to 3-2. and two. Their quarterback, uh, Browning Anderson, had a big day. He had 243 yards and three touchdowns. Ufala got down 28-7, to seven, and they were just playing catch-up from that point on. Uh, Charles Henderson defeated Beauregard 27-0 to zero to go to 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Carroll was playing Navarre out of Florida. Uh, they lost 49-28. to 28. Carroll did. Uh, they dropped to 3-2. and two. Uh, They were down 28-7, kind of like Ufala, and it, you're just playing catch-up for the rest of the way. Uh, after they had tied it up at 7, though, uh, their quarterback, Keyshawn Cole, had a big game, 14-21 for 342 yards, three touchdowns, 74 yards on the ground, and one touchdown there as well. Uh, wide receiver Peyton Plot, he had seven catches for 257 yards and three touchdowns. In 4A Region 2, it was a lot of lopsided scores. Andalusia defeated Montgomery Academy 63-19 to remain undefeated at 5-0. Catholic Montgomery defeated Geneva 49-0. Geneva falls to 1-4, 1-2 in region play. Booker T. Washington defeated Slocum 43-6. Slocum drops to 1-3, 0-3 in region play. And Bullitt County defeated Dale County 31-14. And Dale County is now 1-4, 0-3 in region play. 3A Region 2, Houston Academy defeated New Brockton 40-12 to to get to 4-0. Overall, 3-0 region play. New Brockton drops to 1-4 and 1-3. And uh, Brady w- Wiggum for Houston Academy had two touchdowns on the evening. Strong defeated Ashford in a close one, 17-13. Michael Lane Grantson scored a 25-yard touchdown run with 2.44 left uh, to defeat Ashford. And with that, Strong goes to 4-0, 3-0 in region. And Ashford is one and four and zero and four in region. Ott defeated Pike County twenty-two to thirteen. Uh, that puts Op at two and three, two and two, and Pike County at two and two, two and two. Pike County has only played region games so far this season. And on Thursday night, a classic at Ripley Stadium, Northside Methodist defeated Delville thirty-five to thirty-four. Uh, for Northside, they are now two and three overall, one and two in region. And in Delville is one and four overall, one and three in region. And the scoring touchdown, the game-winning touchdown with 32 seconds left was when quarterback Harry Hicks connected with Ben Koskri on a third and seven for a 23-yard touchdown. And then Hicks went in and scored a two-point conversion. Hicks had a solid performance here at quarterback, 13 of 18 for 219 yards. In 2A Region 2, Cottonwood continued their winning ways, staying undefeated at 4-0 by defeating Sampson 37-0. GW Long beat Geneva County by that same score to go to 3-1, 3-0 in region. Geneva County is now 0-4, 0-3 in region play. Uh, Rossian Hughes for GW Long had a big game, 138 yards rushing in one touchdown, and he threw for 114 in one touchdown. Ayrton defeated Zion Chapel 35-0. Quarterback Ian Sin was 10-14 for 109 yards in one touchdown. He also has six tackles, one tackle for loss, and one interception. For Ayrton, they're now two and three, but two and one in region. And for Zion Chapel, they're two and three, one and two in region. And then Whitsburg defeated Abbeville 35 to 6. Uh, Mason Burkhart had 91 yards through the air, going six of eight for two touchdowns, and he ran for 94 yards. And for Whitsburg, they improved to two and three, two and one in region play. And Abbeville drops one and four and one and two inside the region. The 2A Region 3, Real Town defeated Barber County 47 to 8. Barber County is now 1-3, 0-3 in region play. 
and Goshen defeated Lafayette 34 to 0 to improve to 3 and 2 and 1 and 2. Uh, they had four second quarter touchdowns, did Goshen to blow the game open. Running back Jamari McClure had 99 yards and three touchdowns. In the 1A Region 2, Georgiana defeated Houston County 8-0. Georgiana is now 4-1, 4-0 in region. And then Houston County, they have played a lot of close games, though, in region so far. But they were 1-4 overall, 1-2 in region play. They really played Elba tough a few weeks ago, which Elba was off uh, this week. Uh, the scoring of this one, Georgiana got a safety and a third-quarter touchdown to give the 8-0 win. Brantley uh, bounced back from their 42-0 loss to Elba last week to beat Kinston 30-27 in a really good game. Uh, Brantley's now 3-2 and two overall, but 3-1 in region, and Kinston is 1-3 and 0-3 in, in region play. Kinston had gotten the ball all the way down to the Brantley 29 as time expired, so they were moving the ball and trying to win the game. Uh, Kinston, on their side, uh, Colby 2 had 198 yards and one touchdown. Then finally, an AISA, Lowndes Academy defeated Averville Christian, 47-0. Averville Christian is now 0-5. And, and that is today's Wiregrass High School Football Report. Going to take a quick little break. When we come back, I am going to talk college football, Alabama, Auburn, Troy, Florida State. Go around the SEC a little bit. AP Top 25. Remember to check out the Jed Kennedy Coaches Show every Thursday night at 8 o'clock on 96.9 The Legend. Each week, head coach Jed Kennedy is joined by Jerry Coleman and Ken Lambert to talk all the latest with the Dothan Wolves. They'll recap the previous game and preview the upcoming matchup. You can also hear the Wolves every Friday night on 96.9 The Legend, where pregame starting at 6.45. Kickoff is at 7. Now back to the Wiregrass Daily News Sports. All right, now let's transition over to college football. I was thinking, where do we need to go to start here? Because the four teams we're going to focus a lot on this show, they, they go front and center. It's Alabama, Auburn, Troy, and Florida State. So I was thinking, okay, Florida State got a big win. Auburn looked horrible. Troy got a solid win, but let's be honest, that really wasn't going to be in the running to leave this segment off. And then Alabama beating on Miss. I thought that's where we need to go. That was the big talking points of the week. What's wrong with Alabama? How's Jalen Miro going to look? Can Lane Kiffin finally beat Nick Saban? All that stuff. And it was a lot to digest during the week. So I'm going to lead with this one. Alabama defeats Ole Miss 24-10. Number 13, Alabama defeats number 15. Ole Miss, that is. Jalen Miro, of course, got the start. And, look, he's the guy that should be the quarterback. But, you know, we can read the articles, read between the lines. Really felt like last week, Milrow was being punished. Uh, that's why he did not start against South Florida. That's why we saw Buckner and Simpson. At no point did it ever look anywhere close to we were going to see Jalen Milrow coming in the game. He had a solid performance against Ole Miss, 17-21, 225, one touchdown. He did throw the one interception early in the game. We'll get to that in a second. They found some running game with Jason McKellen. He had 17 attempts for 105 yards, one touchdown. He pretty much had the touchdown that iced the game with 12-10 left in the fourth quarter. When we look at the first half of this game, I look at it as a game of missed opportunity for Alabama because I really felt like they controlled this game for most of it, especially on the defensive side of the ball. 
but they missed some shots there in the first half. And I think had they converted on these opportunities, this game would have been a big time blowout. But as it was, it was twenty four to ten. Seven to six at halftime. Alabama had three red zone trips. They didn't get two field goals out of it. They had the interception, which they had got all the way down to the inside the five, close to the one. Milro just du- threw it in double coverage. It was it was a bad throw in his part. Um, he forced it, shouldn't have done it. I mean, at worst, you still come away with another field goal there. You come away with points. And Nick Saban even commented after game, look, yeah, that was a bad play. But overall, he believes Milro had a really good performance. He was happy with his performance. And they had another situation after they blocked an old Miss punt. They're at the one um, negative plays pushed back. They had to kick another field goal. So it, you're seven to six at halftime. And with your Alabama, you got to think, okay, how's this going to go? It's still close. It's a defensive game. Maybe Lane Kiffin is going to get his win. But Alabama comes out and they go up nine seven. Early in the third, off of another field goal by Will Rockert uh, to go up 9-7 with about 11-09 left in the third quarter. And then Alabama puts in the score. Later on in the quarter with 6-29, uh, Jalen Milrow connects with Jalen Hill on a 33-yard touchdown. It was a tremendous catch in the back of the end zone. Uh, great job to keep control of the ball, get your feet in bounds and all that stuff. I mean, great balance. And then Milro gets hit on the play. He's just like, oh, no, he's hurt. I mean, he's laying. The doctor talked to him and everything. Then all of a sudden, he pops up, and uh, he's excited. He they, they scored a touchdown. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe uh, the trainers and all that stuff say, hey, what happened? He scored a touchdown, and just, you know, he cured everything. And then they went with a two-point conversion. Now, they did not do it with Jalen Milro. Uh, they put Ty Simpson in, quarterback draw. He gets it. They go up 17-7. to seven. Smart play there, go up by 10. Uh, defense played great in this game for Alabama. Uh, they held Ole Miss to 56 yards rushing. That's something Ole Miss wants to do. Ole Miss only averaged 1.9 uh, yards per carry in this one, 128 total yards in the second half. And Ole Miss, the money down. They were 3 for 14 on third down in this game. I just want to say this, too. When we look at this matchup, whenever it's Saban versus Lane Kiffin, it really isn't that. It's Ole Miss versus Alabama. But Lane Kiffin makes it more about him versus Nick Saban. I think that's a big reason why they always lose. And for this game here for Alabama, I think we've seen their formula for how they're going to be successful. But first, they do need to capitalize on the opportunities. Alabama, and I heard this said, they're not like they used to be where they could play their B game and still dominate. If they don't play their A game, there's some teams out there that can hang with them and maybe beat them. We saw that against Texas. What Alabama needs to be, let Jalen Milrow be himself. He needs to take care of the ball better. The interceptions is is not good. Uh, he threw two against Texas, and, of course, he had the one here. But play with his skill set, his running ability, his playmaking ability. Run the football and play defense. You should be a 10-win team, and then we'll see where it's at. I mean, it's all going to come down to LSU and Alabama, I still believe, for the SEC West. I'm still sticking with LSU as my favorite there, but still. It's going to come down to those two uh, for that. Now, Alabama next up, they have a game against Mississippi State. That will be a 8 o'clock kickoff on Saturday night. Do not know why ESPN is putting two teams in the central time zone playing that late at night, but obviously it's TV reasons, but that is what's going to be coming up next for Alabama.
All right, now let's jump into Auburn. Uh, losing 27-10 to 10 to Texas A&M on Saturdays for so Auburn. Falling to 3-1, 0-1 overall in conference. And then Texas A&M, 3-1 overall, 1-0 conference. Look, I went in this game. I picked Texas A&M to win this game. I thought it would be a close game. In the first half, it looked that way. I'll say this. Auburn has a quarterback problem, without a doubt. They need to figure out what they're going to do from here. Uh, Peyton Thorne. Well, he plays really good against lesser opponents, the non-Power 5 opponents. But right now, against two group of uh, Power 5 teams, Cal and now Texas A&M, he has struggled mightily. And he was very indecisive in this game. The quarterbacks got sacked seven times. I think a lot of that was because Peyton Thorne's just holding on to the ball too long. He needs to let the ball rip. Uh, and then there were opportunities, too, where he missed some open receivers. Over the middle, he was just overthrowing them. Um, and then there was a wheel route. Second quarter, Jay Fair, look, if he hits that on the money, he's going in for a touchdown. And who knows what that the complexion is of the game then because Auburn went into halftime down 6-3. to three. It was a low-scoring game. And even Auburn's second possession, they run the ball down the field. Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, they got – Lucky there wasn't a turnover because Peyton Thorne happened to toss it forward just barely, and so it was a forward pass, not a fumble. But they run the ball, but then when they had to throw the ball, they just could not make the plays, make the throws that were needed. Uh, Auburn in the game rushed for 144, but they only threw for 56 total yards. Peyton Thorne was 6-12 for 44 yards. They did bring in Robbie Ashford. He had, was not effective. Holden Garner got in at the very end. Last possession Auburn had, the game was over. So Auburn's got to figure out what they want to do there at quarterback. Uh, Ten penalties in the game for 64 yards. The only Auburn touchdown was a 67-yard fumble return by Eugene Asante in the fourth quarter. Kind of felt like, okay, maybe Auburn had some momentum there because it was 20-10 to because A&M didn't score that last touchdown until late in the quarter to really put the game away. But the Auburn offense was never threatening with the struggles the passing game had, like getting sacked seven times and the quarterbacks just were not there. But, you know, when it's 6-3 to three going into halftime, you still think, okay, Auburn has got some stuff on the run game. If Peyton Thorne can settle down and just hit some passes, maybe Auburn can do something here. And then they knocked out Connor Wigman. He got hit on a blitz by Jalen Simpson. Uh, he hurt his ankle. Uh, he was out. So, in the second half, it was Max Johnson, the backup former LSU quarterback. And he just comes in, and the offense just moved with Max Johnson. I don't know what was the big difference. Uh, he does have more of a running ability. Connor Wigman can run, but Max Johnson is better at it. He showed that when he was at LSU. But he was 7-11 for 123, two touchdowns in the second half, most of that in the third quarter. Uh, his first possession out, he connects with his brother twice on the drive in the touchdown with Jake Johnson. And then he hit a 37-yard touchdown pass to Evan Stewart. When Evan Stewart was double covered, it was great coverage by Auburn, just a great throw and a great catch. And that put him up 20 to three. And you really felt like any energy or potential Auburn had to coming back was pretty much gone with that. And it's just like I said, Auburn's going to go to the drawing board. They got to figure out the passing game. My, my thinking is maybe you go back to Robbie Ashford and you just kind of build your offense around what he could do with the read option in the run game from the quarterback position and just lean into your running backs. Look, they're playing Georgia, and look, me and Matt Lowe are going to preview and do all that good stuff for the Friday show on this game and 
but I'm going to say they're not beating Georgia. We know that. Uh, but they need to find something because you got Georgia, you got LSU, you got Ole Miss coming up. It's it's a tough stretch. I was looking at the schedule. I could still see a six and six season, just going off what we've seen. If this is what we're going to see this year, the quarterback in the passing game is going to struggle so much. You've got Mississippi State. I think they can beat them. You got Vanderbilt and New Mexico State. That's that's six wins, but. You want more than that. You want some more positivity uh, for this first year with Hugh Freeze. So they're going to have to find some stuff and just kind of figure out how to get the offense going. Maybe Hugh Freeze calls to plays more. I mean, that's something he said he's not doing. Ron Montgomery's the play caller, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, looking at the rest of the SEC, it was a quite interesting Saturday of SEC football. Uh, Kentucky did defeat Vanderbilt 45-28. Kentucky got a good solid lead in that one, but then Vandy tried, tried to creep back in, but the lead was just too big. They couldn't do it. Tennessee defeated uh, UT San Antonio 45 to 14. Joe Milton had two touchdowns to 209 yards. Tennessee's now three and one. Really good game between number 12 LSU and Arkansas there at Baton Rouge. LSU wins 34 31 to get a three and one, two and zero in SEC play. Arkansas's two and two, 0 and one SEC play. Jaden Daniels, big game, 320 yards, four touchdowns. Offense is kind of moving slow to start this one, but they picked it up. And then, uh, Damian Ramos, their kicker, 20-yard field goal with five seconds left to win the game. K.J. Jefferson had a tremendous game on the other side for Arkansas. 21-31, 289, three touchdowns, but he did have the two interceptions. Missouri hung on in a close one against Memphis, 34-27. Missouri is 4-0 on the year. Florida defeated Charlotte, 22-7, to go to 3-1. Georgia took care of business against UAB to win 49-21 to go to 4-0. Carson Beck had 338 yards and three touchdowns. Brock Bowers had nine receptions for 121 yards and two touchdowns. And that one, South Carolina defeated Mississippi State. This was a fun back-and-forth game. They win that one. South Carolina does 37-30 to to go to 2-2, 1-1 in conference. And then Mississippi State drops to 2-2, 0-2 in conference. So Mississippi State is kind of like Auburn. They got to kind of figure out some stuff, what they're doing there uh, record-wise and where they're going to get wins, how they're going to get to be bowl eligible. They feel like they went more of the Mike Leach offense in this one. Spencer Rattler, very efficient. 18-20, 288, three touchdowns. His wide receiver, Xavier Leggett, five receptions, 189 yards. Two touchdowns. The touchdowns were 76 and 75 yards. Will Rogers, like I said, it looked like the Mike Leach offense. Will Rogers, 30 of 48, 487 yards, and one touchdown. He did throw one interception. He had a fumble, too. So the turnovers were key in this one. In a game where you're going back and forth, the turnovers will just kill your momentum. And that's what happened there. I just can't have that happen. Uh, their receiver, their top guy, the uh, Dedrick. Griffin had 256 yards, a school record, and one touchdown. And now jumping outside the SEC to teams we cover outside of there. Detroit Trojans defeated Western Kentucky 27-24 to to go to 2-2 two and two on the year. Oh, one member before Troy went on that long winning streak, and they won the conference, and they won the bowl game, the Cure Bowl against UTSA. They started 1-2, and two, and then they got fourth game. They went 2-2. Two and two. They beat Western Kentucky last year, too. They got back to the run game in this one, and that was key for Troy. Uh, Kamani Vidal had 156 yards on 26 attempts. Troy just does not feed him enough the last two games. They did in the first game, uh, but he had two touchdowns. Gunnar Watson was good here. So I think Gunnar holds on to the ball a little bit too much. I don't think he sees pressure correctly, um, but he was good in this one, 22-35, one touchdown. 
at a 334, 340, excuse me, overall throwing. They have a star in wide receiver, Chris Lewis. He caught the Hail Mary touchdown at the end of the half to go at 10 to 7. That was Detroit's down 7 to 3. You're thinking, okay, just kind of run out the clock. They were out, not field goal range, but throw to Hail Mary. And look, he's about probably 6'3, 6'4, outleaped everybody. And he had a couple catches like that. He's had a couple catches like that this season. So it's just like, just throw the ball in his direction. He will find a way to go get it. He had three catches for 101 yards, of course, that touchdown. Uh, they did good because Western Kentucky has a pretty solid offense, too, with Austin Reed. Uh, he was 23 of 39, 268, two touchdowns. Held Western Kentucky to just 20 yards on the ground. They played pretty well against the receivers, too. They held them in check. And really, probably maybe the best defense for Troy was their offense. Uh, time of possession, Troy possessed the ball for 38 minutes and 59 seconds, so held the ball a long time. Uh, there were some drives in there that was really slow. Their first drive, that it was really a good drive. It looked like Troy's about to score. It was a very long drive, but then they had the interception, and then West Kentucky got set up inside their own 10-yard line. And total yards-wise, Troy had 521. West Kentucky had 288. So good win for Troy. Now they go back into conference play this weekend. They'll be playing Georgia State. They go to Atlanta to play them. Uh, that's a team that just beat Coastal Carolina this past Thursday night. So that will not be an easy one. Uh, for the Trojans. Now let's jump into the Florida State Seminoles to kind of wrap up our college football coverage. Florida State defeated Clemson 31-24 in overtime. This was Florida State's first win against Clemson since 2014. Clemson jumped out 10-0 early in this one, and I thought they were getting good pressure on Jordan Travis in this one, uh, but he stepped up. Uh, Kate Club, I thought, played well, particularly there in the second quarter. Um, he he went on a streak, I think, where he made nine com consecutive completions. He threw for two, 83, one touchdown through the air, one touchdown on the ground. But And we'll kind of go back and forth on some things here. But he had a crucial fumble there in the third quarter, forced by Kalen Deloach, and Deloach actually picked it up and ran it in. And that's what tied the game at 24. Neither team scored in the fourth quarter before he we went to overtime. And Clemson played a lot of one-on-one. -on -one on Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, which really hurt him. Keon Coleman had a big game here, five catches, 86 yards, but two touchdowns. Uh, Johnny Wilson just kind of what we were talking about with Lewis, with Troy just a minute ago, that's kind of what he was doing. Just, you know, a physical receiver that can go up and get a lot of catches. He had five catches for 94 yards. Jordan Travis overall was 21-37 to 37 for two touchdowns, and he had the one rushing touchdown. So he had a really good game here too as well, but – uh, Jonathan White, the kicker for Clemson, missed a field goal in their last possession toward the end. It was kind of a weird deal, though. Then Florida State got the ball. They had a fourth and ten near midfield, and they went for it. Um, maybe at that point, you're like, okay, what's better here? Do we go for this fourth and ten against a solid Clemson defense? We only scored 17 points on them. Our defense scored a one touchdown. Or do we go for it? And then Clemson got the ball, but then they just – they had bad clock management too as well. They ran the ball with Shipley, and then they just sit there and they sit there. Then they didn't try to go spike it. Then when they tried to go spike it, it was too late. Then we went to went to overtime, and then Florida State comes out on top there. So, and for Florida State, this is a big win going to the season. Is looking okay. You open with LSU, and you have the matchup with Clemson. What's going to be your record after these four games? Will you be four and zero? Will you be three and one? You split those two, or will you be two and two? Uh, I was always saying of uh, uh, the mind, okay, if they could just split those two and you're three and one, 
particularly if you can beat LSU, but maybe you lose a close one at Clemson, then you get the revenge with Clemson at the end of the season in the ACC championship game. The ACC does not have divisions. So it was just an assumption, okay, these two would play. But now uh, Florida State's 4-0, and and you got to start thinking they might meet somebody else in the ACC championship game if they make it that far because Clemson's got two losses now. Like I said, you're not – divisions anymore so you're, you're the best two teams and so that opens the door for north carolina to get in there now or somebody else maybe miami which miami plays florida state later on in the season so we'll see how that goes uh clemson's got a lot of the soul searching and then this is you know second year in a row they're not going to be in the playoff conversation but florida state this is a step for that team with, with mike norvell of saying hey we're back to being the florida state we used to be all right, as we wrap up this segment here, let's look at the rankings uh, where some teams are. Uh, for Alabama, they jumped up a spot in the AP rankings. Uh, they went from 13 to 12. In the coaches, they went up. They went from 12 to 11. Uh, SEC-wise, you've got Georgia at one. Uh, you've got Florida State, non-SEC, but Florida State, they are at number five. Then you got Alabama at 12. LSU, 13. This is AP Paul talking about. And then you've got Tennessee at 21. Florida's at 22. Missouri gets in at 23. Hey, they're 4-0. Watch, watch out. Uh, looking at the coaches poll, Georgia's 1. Florida State is 4 in that one. Uh, Alabama's 11. LSU is 12. They're Ole Miss still sitting in there. They're at 20. They fell four spots, though. Ole Miss is 20 in AP poll. They fell five spots in that one. Uh, Missouri comes in at 22. Florida at 23. So, that is where everybody sits on that one. Teams receiving votes in the AP poll. Kentucky got 41. That is uh, Texas A&M got five in theirs. Uh, and then in the coaches poll, uh, teams received votes. Uh, Kentucky got 87. A&M got 36 on their side of things. So that is how that looks uh, with the latest and the newest college football rankings. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. We will be back tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Not once a week, we are daily, as I said, on the top. I'm really excited about that. On tomorrow's show, I have a guest, uh, A.J. Spur. He covers the Alabama Crimson Tide for the Roll Tide Wired part of USA Today. So we will dive into Alabama's victory over Ole Miss. Oh, and we'll jump around to some other news around the Wiregrass and the Southeast and you know, all kind of interesting stuff on tomorrow's show. Remember, you can find the show on WiregrassDailyNews.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can connect with me on social media at PJordanSCC. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. And also, look, get with me. Uh, I would love to answer your questions. That's something we're going to try to do that, try to – have some listener engagement here on this on this show. But anyways, I hope you have a great Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. Until tomorrow, you've been listening to the Wiregrass Daily News Sports Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at PJordanSEC. 